1: That's stamps.com Code program The biggest breaking news stories An outspoken opinion The Breakfast Briefing With Julia Hartley Brewer On Talk Radio
2: Good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining me here on Talk TV, live from the Talk Radio studios. You are watching Breakfast. Um, so much to talk about. Thank you very much for your joining me, uh, watching on Talk TV or listening on Talk Radio. It's great to have your company and great to have the company of a, a newbie. Well, not a newbie to the, to the station because we've spoken to her a number of times before. and. Uh, always talks an awful lot of sense. So we thought we'd get her into the studio. Candice Holdsworth is a journalist at Spiked Online. Good morning to you. Good morning. Looking, by the way, very glamorous at this time of the morning. Thank you. Someone made the effort. <laughs> I had a, I, I did Piers Morgan's show last night and uh, my, my cab driver said to me, what happened to your hair on Monday morning? I said, what? He said, your hair looked really flat on Monday morning. (laughs) I'm like, all right, sorry, mum. I'm like, if you're listening, hello. (laughs) Oh, if you're watching, I've I've never had, well, I mean, you know, if you do things like question time, I normally expect to have more messages about my my appearance than anything I say because that is the nature of social media. But that that tickled me. It tickled (laughs) me. What can I say? Um, Let's talk about... um, Awful lot of big stories that are around. The lead story in most front pages right now is about Lord Guide, a man whom, let's be honest, virtually no one in this country had heard of. I mean, at all. I mean, including a lot of journalists at Westminster until very recently, even even yesterday. But he's the Prime Minister's ethics advisor. He resigned last night in a sort of one-line resignation letter. Normally, when you get resignation letters, it's either for family reasons and I'm very sorry and, and the, I'm very, you know, very proud to have worked for you, blah, 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 blah. blah. Or it's I'm disgusted, I'm leaving and my, you know, I, I cannot stand anymore and this is why I'm leaving. We got nothing. We simply got, with regret, I feel that this is right. It is right that I'm resigning from my post as independent advisor on ministers' interests. And that was it. Now, he did this a day after appearing at a select committee hearing when he said the prime minister may have breached the ministerial code over party gate events that led to him being fined. It's um, the second ethics advisor the prime minister has lost in less than two years. Uh, He lost Alex Allen over the advice about Priti Patel bullying report. What do you
0: make of this? Well, I just think I agree with people who say it doesn't look like they're just going to be able to draw a line under all of this. Partygate you know? ain't over. It ain't over. I don't think it's over. Does, are,
2: you, are you one of those people who bothered? Like, there are an awful lot of uh, my lovely viewers and listeners who get jolly cross with me because I think it's a really big deal. I'm, I'm a big fan of Boris Johnson for getting a lot of things done. I'm happy on the round of flights, Brexit, uh, an awful lot of this stuff, getting us out of lockdown soon. Shouldn't have gone into lockdown as long, blah, blah, blah. But. um. On the ethics thing, on, on the party gate, on things like that, I I've, I feel that it's a matter of integrity and it's a no deal for me. I've, I've simply, it's untenable. Um, it looked like that, that, that risk to him had passed with that confidence vote that he won. Do you think he is still at risk?
0: I think it's going to keep coming up. I do, I do. I've just, from people I've spoken to, I don't think anyone just wants to draw a line under this. I think most people are pretty angry and feel that this guy cannot be trusted. Um, I agree with you. You know, I felt a bit confused about it. You know, he did bring us out of lockdown. You know, Britain came out of lockdown. He put us in lockdown. Yes, he put us in I lockdown. Mean, I do think you shouldn't
2: get too much credit for that.
0: Well, this this is mm. the thing. Um, he put us in lockdown and yet all of this was going on in Downing Street.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing. But the but this is and this is what Lord Guide it would appear is concerned about. Now, um, we various you know, ethics advisers have, you know, as you say, worked for Boris Johnson. They are self, they are appointed by the prime minister as personal advisers. This man used to be private secretary to the Queen. You know, impeachable. Standards. There is, it seems to be a view that if we, whether not we see his resignation letter or not in full, or whether he's even written one in full, that that he's felt he felt that his position had become untenable, and that he was undermining his own sort of background as having a long-standing civil servant and the like. Um, many are saying that you know, to, to quote Oscar Wilde, you know, to lose to lose one ethics advisor is his misfortune; to lose two looks like carelessness. Um, Do you think this could add to the pressure on him? Could this turn a few of the MPs who did vote for the Prime Minister uh, in in that confidence ballot to think, actually, I've changed my mind? Could that tip the balance?
0: It could do. I also worry as well, though, that people are just sort of getting used to the fact that Boris Johnson is always going to disappoint them and has sort of been priced in now. And this has happened. And over time, our expectations are just going to get lower and lower and lower. In which case, it's all priced in. Yeah. Could but be. that, but
2: that's the thing, okay. And yet, at the same time, we've got this story about the Rwanda migrant flights, um, and this is the, the classic red meat, uh, which um, uh, many uh, Brexit voters and Tory voters would, and Boris supporters, and people even be very unhappy with him, would still very massively support. I think a lot of the policy is probably a bit gimmicky. Um, but you know, pretty much the Home Secretary, you know, has been under a lot of pressure to do something about this issue. Four hundred forty-four general migrants crossed on Tuesday. On Tuesday alone. Four hundred forty-four people. We don't know who they are, where they're from. They've turned up from a safe country, by the way, from France. Um, we had that ruling from the European Court of Human Rights. Uh, there's now a lot of talk about whether or not we withdraw from that, the European Convention, or parts of the Convention. In fact, you don't have to be signed up to all of it. Uh, whether we actually withdraw from the European Court of Human uh, of Human Rights itself. Um, there's some talk that these uh, flights could be held up for up for a year. Um, but bearing in mind that the, the, the High Court here in the UK and the Appeal Court here in the UK both upheld the legality of this policy. We've been told by the bleeding heart liberal human rights lawyers in this country, that it's illegal. They haven't ruled that at all. They want to look into it, look into the situation in Rwanda. And, and, but, and the European Court said so they basically wanted to wait to see. You couldn't have those flights going off until we'd seen what, what the High Court had found. So they could go ahead but what do you think the likelihood is?
0: I'm not sure I mean I don't know enough about the the legality of it but I think that politicians really need to grasp the nettle on this this needs to happen we need to have total control over our immigration policy this is why people voted for Brexit this is what it was for you know I mean for a while it felt like the immigration debate had detoxified a bit after Brexit because people felt they had control over it and now it risks just reigniting again. And the
2: polling showed didn't it that the immigration had definitely fallen down because people felt, no, we're in charge of this yes. now.
0: That was the big thing. I mean, I've noticed that even when people were talking about things like people from Hong Kong coming over yeah. or when Afghanistan was collapsing, people were like, no, let's welcome in refugees if they need a place to stay because people felt they had control. But when it gets like this, when people feel there's no control and it's sort of spiraling out of control, people just arriving, like you say, no one's con- no one is taking charge of it this becomes a problem again.
2: And, and this thing about the difference between different refugees. Now, there are a lot of people on the left are saying, look, this is just racism. Look, oh, You'll take people from Ukraine, largely white, but you won't take people from uh, some you know, African countries or Middle Eastern countries. It's racism, pure and pure. But I wonder, you know, we have got a policy for letting in Afghanistan uh, people who we owe have a duty of care to. I'm sorry, I don't think we have a duty of care to every single person in Afghanistan. I'm sorry. Afghanistan was a basket case forever. Um, I don't think we should have left the country. I think we should have stayed there. But I mean, we should have absolutely 100% duty of care to all the people who worked for us as interpreters. I think it's an absolute travesty of misjustice that, and I, you know, someone I've been dealing with, still stuck out there, still in touch with him, um, who was promised a, a safe passage. Um, and the, we have a duty of care to. I think the people of Ukraine. Again, we we were guarantors of the independence of uh, of Ukraine. I think we have a duty of care to those people, and it's women and children coming over on a temporary basis. But that's very different from. You know, a another person, largely a an a a young adult male aged between eighteen and forty coming to this country on a rickety boat from a safe country. I'm, I'm just not sure I have a duty of care to this person.
0: Yes, and people aren't, aren't a, a discouraged from asking those sorts of questions. You just get the yeah. accusation of racist, bigot, and that's a way of shutting the, ba- the debate down. But we can't do that. We have to be adults about it. We have to have a proper discussion.
2: One uh, well, question I asked, I think it was 11 times I asked the Labour MP yesterday, I'm um, saying Stephen Kinnick, um, <clears throat> how many people then? How many? Because we were told like, we need to have safe passage, we need to have people you need to apply from their own countries. Great. Okay. So if all these people are going to be eligible, how many are we going to take? I mean, is it 10,000? Is it 100,000? Is it a million? Is it 10? How many people are we going to take? I know. And, and, And that's the thing. No one will ever answer that question. Until we have an answer to that question, we can't have a policy where, yeah, you could apply from anywhere
0: and we'll just keep taking people. Anyone who's eligible. It's 5 billion people. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't just hide behind compassion because actually what you're doing is you're fueling the human trafficking industry. Yeah. Which puts people in great danger, takes total advantage of them, doesn't care about them. They deliberately
2: put them on rickety boats so they'll be rescued. Is, well, good luck if you are rescued.
0: You know, I also think about you know what's happening on the west coast of America now, where you're seeing a huge backlash against these progressive prosecutors who've allowed crime to spiral out of control. Yeah. And we're, homelessness. We're in very,
2: very much the same territory, aren't we?
1: The breakfast briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio.
2: If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10.
0: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much.